It's never too late to focus on your social media and marketing strategies. In DSO Connect's Marketing and Social Media Masterclass, Holly and Robin take you through a whole host of ideas to brand your business, build your online presence, and to nurture your customers, either current or potential. Give your studio a strong online presence that will grow your enrollment while cultivating your customers and community. For more information, go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Products tab where you'll find the Marketing and Social Media Masterclass, which includes an hour of amazing content plus a downloadable PDF workbook, and it's all just $27. Can't beat that. So again, go to dancestudioownerconnect.com and click on the Products tab for the Marketing and Social Media Masterclass with Holly and Robin. Welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey. And I'm Robin. How are you doing today, Robin? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's Friday today, so I'm feeling pretty good. Doesn't it seem like November is the shortest month of the year in a dance studio? <laughs> right? It's like yes. Halloween and it's like, oh, we've got some time before the Christmas performances settle in and then bam. Nope. Thanksgiving. It's gone. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, I've got time to order costumes. And then now I'm like, oh, I'm behind on getting students' measurements. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. All right, well, let's introduce our guest today. We are very excited to have the one and only Trisha Gomez here. Hello, Miss Trisha. Hi. How are you today? I'm good. I just moved to Florida, you guys, like two weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. That's right. I packed up my bags, drove across the country from California to Florida. So we're finally starting to get settled here. We're in Florida. Um, I'm, um, I'm in like the 30A area, which is between Destin and Panama City Beach. It is gorgeous. It's just that white sucks. sand beaches. And I'm looking at it right now. It's white sand beaches and teal see-through water. And oh, it's just, it's so peaceful. I oh, that it. sounds amazing. Good for you. Looking out my window now and I've got like garbage gray skies and dreary <laughs> fall rain. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, at least you have a window. In my office, I don't really have a window. Oh, I'm in the cinder block basement. But <laughs> I can see your lights all over. It's very festive. I, I have to put the lights up. But I, uh, my husband and I bought a place in Florida last year, and I, I think about it every day. So I feel you with the love for Florida. I cannot wait. We'll be wintering there, and I'm counting down the days. So Where at? We're in Cape Coral. Okay, so you're south of me. Yes, we, we are wintering here too. We're here at least until February and then um, we may make it a permanent thing. Good for That's you. Awesome. That's awesome. All right, so let's introduce Miss Trisha. Uh, Trisha Gomez is the Global Director of RhythmWorks Integrative Dance and the creator of the popular Hip Hop in a Box. She's considered a pioneer in early childhood hip hop education. Through her RhythmWorks Integrative Dance Certification Program, Trisha is blazing a path of opportunity for students who have learning differences and special needs by educating dance teachers on all aspects of becoming an inclusive studio. Trisha's unwavering dedication to education and her unique teaching methods have landed her on the Dr. Phil show as their dance expert and the TV show Dance Revolution as their lead judge. Her performing years included dancing with the Los Angeles Laker Girls, Disney, Universal Studios, and many others. Her choreography credits include Saved by the Bell, the Laker Girls, the Clippers Spirit Dance Team, Universal Dance Association, and ABC's Disney Parks Christmas Day Parade as the head choreographer for Dance the Magic. Trisha is also a teaching artist consultant for the Disney Performing Arts Program, where she has the honor of working with dancers from around the world. That is quite a bio, my dear. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a fun, it's been a fun uh, journey. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. Tell us about your dance training growing up and how you got into dance and how you got to where you are now. So I grew up in a really, really small town in South Louisiana. Um, we did not have a lot of opportunities. Um, I did take dance class since I was, you know, two years old, but um 
I don't know if I got the best dance training. <laughs> um, and there wasn't anything on the teachers. It's just everything's so limited out there. And there wasn't any opportunities like we have now to go out and educate yourself and, you know, up your game and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I loved dance. I always wanted to dance. Um, you know, I was always a big thinker and a big dreamer and a big doer. So I, you know, was like, I want to be a professional dancer, but I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'd, I'd always been a team dancer. So I was on my high school dance team. And then I was on LSU's um, dance team, the Golden Girls, um, when I was in college. And I was like, well, okay, well, next level would be like a professional team, right? And um, I loved Paula Abdul. Like she was my role model in life and she was a Laker girl. So I was like, I'm going to go audition for Laker girls. Okay. Who doesn't love Paula Abdul? I know. I still use her music in my classes now. She was the very first CD I ever got when like we did the transition from cassette tapes to CDs. Yes. Paula Abdul was my first one. So that's awesome. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so I, I, I got some information about auditions and, packed a suitcase and flew out to Los Angeles. And I was like, all right, I'm going audition for the Laker girls. And my parents about nearly had a fit because I'm an only child. Um, and they did not want me to move that far away. Uh, but they were so supportive. Bless them. They were like, okay, yes, go. And, you know, if you make the team, we'll support you. And the, But I don't think they ever actually thought I would make the team. Mm. And, um, and then I did. <laughs> so then and I how had, old were you when you, when you did that audition? 19. 19. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Baby. Yeah. I, and I owned a dance studio in Louisiana. So I, when I graduated high school, I opened up my first dance studio. I had that for two years while I was in college. Um, and then when I made Laker Girls, I decided to sell the studio, pack up my bags, drive to California, and um, and I've been professionally dancing and teaching ever since then. So it's wow. Uh, Let me ask you something about that. When you were 19 years old, I don't know if you can remember back that. Not, I'm sorry. No, it is a long time ago. It's like 26 years ago. I know. <laughs> But do you remember what was going through your head as you're driving from Louisiana to Los Angeles? Were you thinking, I got this, this is going to be a breeze what an adventure I'm on. Look at me, I'm hot stuff. Or were you kind of terrified shaking in your boots? No, gosh, you know, I think I lack the fear gene. Um, I was never afraid. I, I think the biggest like fear that I had was the first time I flew into LA and I was looking out of the window and it's just like this vast scene of houses and streets. And I was thinking, Oh my gosh, I'll never learn my way around here. I mean, this was before GPS. Right. right? So that, I think that was my biggest fear of like, Oh my gosh, I'm moving to this big city. But um, yeah, I, I, I think I had a lot of, I was pretty naive at the time. And, you know, I had made the team, so I was moving there. I knew I was going to have a group of, like, 16 friends that I was immediately put into. And and it really was, like, a door that opened so many possibilities, just having that one job on my resume. And there was a job. With, so I did a show with Disney and ended up dislocating my neck and had to take some time off from dancing. Oh and I actually had, like, um, a quote-unquote real job. And um, I was, I was, um, I was a bookkeeper because I, I was, I'm really good at math too. So I was a bookkeeper for a, a real estate company, a, a developer. And, um, and the only reason he brought me in was because I had Laker Girl on my resume. I had nothing on my resume that would support my capabilities of being a bookkeeper. That uh, he brought awesome. me in and, be- and, and once I was there, I was able to kind of show that, okay, yes, I do know what I'm talking about and I can do this job for real. That's uh, Did he think you were going to like come with your pom-poms to the office? I don't oh, Who knows? <laughs> who knows? You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's, maybe it's just LA, but it's really silly that, that the, the way, the weight that people put on that specific job like the coolness factor of it. I mean, even down to like my landlord, when he found out that like he he wasn't the nicest person to me, but when he found out I was an ex-Laker girl, all of a sudden I was like his favorite tenant. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, it's so so funny. Never use it to get out of a traffic ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Let me, 
Let me find. I don't see under my pom poms over here. <laughs> oh, this Laker girl outfit that I have on. Oh, it's nothing. <laughs> oh, this old thing. This old thing. Yeah, I derailed you. Sorry. But it, no, but it's been it's been some it's it's opened a lot of doors, not just in in favors like that, but in um in credibility. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I opened up my dance studio in California, in Southern California, to say that I was a former Laker girl, people immediately went, well, ooh, okay, well, she knows how to dance. Yeah. Um, so I, I think throughout the process that has, um, that has helped me. And I honestly, I have no idea how I made the team. I'm not that good of a dancer. <laughs> I'm like, out of the 600 girls here. How did they, in my year, they only picked five new people. So out of 600 people, they picked five of us to join mm -hmm. the team. And I'm like, I was by far not the top five dancers there, but I don't know if I had little angels sitting on my shoulders or what, who were like shining around me, but some kind of way I made the team and you broke my parents' heart when I said I was moving to California. So then what happened after the Lakers? Um, so when I had my real job after, <laughs> quote unquote, real job, um, after I got um, injured, I started teaching again. I started teaching through Parks and Recreation. There was a job opening and I was like, well, okay. So I, I started teaching and within two years, I went from having, I think, eight students my first quarter to over 300 students that I was teaching per week. And, um, and then I got a bright idea to open up my own dance studio. And I went from making about $80,000 a year working 15 hours a week to about making $8,000 a year working about 172 hours a week. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> we know that life. <laughs> but it was so worth it. It was so worth it. And yeah. so how long did you have your studio in California? I had the studio for seven years. And... Um, I got sick. So I got through early on in the process, I got diagnosed with lupus. And mm -hmm. um, I really had to cut back on the amount of time that I was teaching and I had to hire people. And that towards the end of me owning the studio, we had close to 50 people who were um, on staff. Wow. Uh, most of them were, were independent, not like employees, but I still managed them and kind of, you know, made schedules and their students were coming through me into their classes and it was, it was a lot of stress and it was LA. So all of the people that were teaching classes while they were like, you know, industry professionals that comes with a price. Right. So I would get a call 30 minutes before class saying, Oh, I booked this job. So I can't come in to teach today. And so here I am like 30 minutes before class, like freaking out. Oh my gosh, who's going to sub this, you know, this class. And you know, what do I tell the students if we can't get, you know, somebody in. So it, it it really, really started to stress me out a lot. And that yeah. started making like massive, massive health problems for me. Mm -hmm. So um, in 2011, we sold the studio and I walked away from business ownership for a little while um, and started working with Dance the Magic. And I was, um, I was with them for quite a few years, probably three or four years. And I was um, doing all their choreography. I was kind of doing a lot of operations. So if you had a question, inquiries, I was handling inquiries, I was handling the scheduling, I was handling like almost all the bits and the, all the little bits and pieces um, to operate the business I was working on under the direction of um, Debbie Barr. And um, I did that for a little while. And then all of a sudden that entrepreneurial spirit like starts to creep up again and go, you need to do your own thing. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so... Um, but during that process as well, I also had like a really horrific tragedy that happened, um, to me where I was pregnant. I lost my son midway through my pregnancy. I almost died as well and came out of that, um, with an understanding that I, there was something more for me to do that, yeah. that it wasn't my time to go. And um, if I just opened my eyes and listened and paid attention, the right people would come into my life at the right time, the right opportunities would come. I just had to be open to it. And so, you know, towards the end of working with Dance the Magic, I was starting to kind of pay attention, be aware. And that's where Rhythm Works came into play. And that kind of just flowed through me. Like it, 
I told my husband one one day he walked into the living room and I was like in tears on my sofa. I'm like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because it was such a massive undertaking. But on the grand scheme of things, it was one of the easiest things I've done in my life because all of the right pieces came into my life at the right time. Mm. And it still continues to do that. Like it's just like an easy flow, even though it's so much work <laughs> to do it. Right. Um, so yeah, so now my my focus is on training teachers and therapists to better understand how to work with students who may have, you know, different learning abilities, um, cognitive abilities, physical abilities, verbal, social, you know, all, all those things, behavioral. There's so many students in our classes that um, they're not diagnosed with anything, mm-hmm. um, but yet they still present challenges in certain ways. And so part of what we do and the tools and the tips that we provide is to um, allow the teacher to better understand what might be causing these things to happen and then what they can actually do to, um, to affect the situation and be, be um, kind of proactive instead of reactive um, and really help the child, you know. Behavior to me is, um, well, it's not to me, it's, it's reality. Behavior is communication. So when we see a child who is um, misbehaving in some kind of way, they are trying to tell us something. Right. So as, as a creative teaching artist, when you have the tools, you can really look at the whole situation to figure out what is this, what is this kid trying to tell me and how can I change what I'm doing to um, serve this child the best that I could. So that's what I do now. <laughs> that's amazing. Did you have any kind of background or training in um, special needs or special education or where did that, where did that? So I, I didn't at all. When I first started, I had no idea. I mean, I had worked with my fair share of students who had you know, maybe Down syndrome or autism or something like that. But um, no, I had never had any kind of official training. So during this process of me um, finding my purpose is what I, you know, what I kind of refer to it is um, my main goal was to educate myself. And I almost went back to school to be an OT, an occupational therapist. But then I started looking into it. I'm like, that's four more years and $200,000 of debt. Like, I don't think that's a good idea. I'm just going to surround myself with really smart people who can train me and teach me and who want to be on this journey. And I came across the most amazing people. I have the most amazing board of advisors who have taught me everything that I know. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really cool experience learning the material and then applying dance to those clinically, you know, evidence-based clinical practices and then putting dance on top of that and then seeing that, you know, implementing that and seeing how that affects our kids in the dance studio and not just our students um, in, in our classes, but, you know, we have certified teachers all over the world now and then seeing how that knowledge affects their students is, is really just, it's cool. That's great. For those of us who don't, who aren't completely familiar with your program, I own Hip Hop in a Box, but I don't know the Rhythm Works um, program, but I'm very interested in it because I'm actually kind of walking in that direction right now to add a program like that to our, our studio. What exactly does it look like? Are you, is it, is it just kind of, Talk to us as if we are not familiar with your program at all. And what are your offerings? Sure. So the, the certification itself um, is about 18, well, yeah, around, I would say 17 to 20 hours, depending on what, meth, you know, what version you take. Um, it's all the same information. It's just some of them include extra time. Um, but the certification includes things like sensory integration and how does our sensory environment affect our ability to learn, behave, and self-regulate? Um, how does, or even retain choreography, um, you know, the behavioral side and understanding, um, what happens before and after behavior and how we can manipulate those to really help, um, kids learn a different way to get the same things that they're trying to get, um, we go through cognitive processing and how to best, um, you know, pare down any kind of um, complicated strategies or concepts and how to build and scaffold those lessons back into our class so that we're going at a pace that works for those kiddos. Um, We go through the whole physical side of it. So if you're working with someone who has physical limitations or who has hypermobility, um, how can we best work with those students to keep them safe? 
um, and modify what we're doing in class. So with hip hop in a box and one, two, three dance, they are part of the program. And what we've done, um, there's 150 dance steps in total. And so we've taken those dance steps and classified them into skill set categories. So some of them may be sensory related, some of them may be, you know, balance related, motor coordination related, there's 31 different categories that we put those steps into. So I think the magic part of the program is um, like, say you have a student who wants to ride a bike, that's their therapeutic goal, they're riding a bike. Um, well, we help you to take that, that goal and categorize this, the sub skills that are necessary. So for example, in order to ride a bike, you have to cross the midline to hold the bike before you get on it. You have to weight shift to get your weight on top of the one leg you're about to stand on. So you have single leg balancing. You have bilateral reciprocal coordination, which is what we use whenever we pedal and we steer. We have to have good trunk extensors, strong extensors in our back to sit up straight. Um, there's continuation of movement. There's mid-range control. There's about 15 different sub skills that are necessary to ride, to ride a bike. And so what we do is say, okay, if you're working on bilateral reciprocal coordination, single leg balancing, mid-range control, and continuation of movement, here's the dance steps that have those skills built into them. And the science shows that when you, when you dance, you're basically using sound, which lights up one part of your brain. You're using movement, which lights up another part of your brain. And you're using timing which lights up a different part of your brain. And normally those three parts of your brains don't talk to each other, but when you dance, they do. And what happens is dancers are able to um, acquire skills that they were having difficulty time, a difficult time acquiring previously. So we've seen this over and over again, where kids are in therapy and they plateau with their skill acquisition, and then they start dancing and all of a sudden they start bringing on online new, new skills. So um, dance is so magical in, in what it does, not just for like our feelings, but like in the brain, like structurally in the brain, it just, it's the coolest thing. So, you know, the RhythmWorks program focuses on working with people who have special needs, but I think in any, in, in some kind of way, we all have special needs, whether we have a, a diagnosis or not, just some are more amplified than others. So really the skills and the tools and the tips that you're, you're using and learning apply to anybody that you're working with, whether it's dance or, or <laughs> software engineering, it doesn't, you know, they're people, they're people skills, it's people knowledge. And, um, and I just think the teachers that come in, they come in because they want to learn about working with students who have special needs, but 100% of the teachers that have come through the program have said, this is going to make me a better teacher for all of my students. It just opens your eyes to things that you were never aware that you needed to know. Like, I, I often think, I'm like, how was I so successful as a dance teacher without this information? Like, this is, this is imperative to like what I do. Like, everybody should know this stuff if they're working with kids, right? <laughs> I love that. Does your program lead people to start Pro, uh, classes that um, are strictly for special needs individuals, or does your program lead people to incorporate these into regular classes or incorporate um, special needs students into regular classes? Both. Absolutely both. Yeah. I think it's important to have both in your studio because there are some kids who, while they may not technically be as advanced or capable at the moment as what the kids, you know, their age group in a, a typically developing class, they can still participate appropriately in that class without causing distraction or, or things like that. But when we see kids who are just, you know, they're, they're causing a lot of distractions in a typical developing class, to me, that tells me that that child needs a different learning environment for now to get them to a point where they can participate. So maybe the challenge is too high for them at that moment. Um, and so you see this reactive behavior from them because the challenge is too high. But when you take them into a class that specifically goes through the sub skills um, at a pace that works for them, you see them finally able to, to focus and pay attention and, and participate properly. It doesn't mean that they always have to be in that class. They can definitely use our, our rhythm works or whatever you want to call your class um, into it as a, use it as a path pathway 
to um, to get you know into a, a typically developing class. But you know, so I, I always say it's when it comes to placement, it's it's person specific. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to see which environment is going to be the best for that person at that time. So I think it's good to have both options there. Excellent. Good to know. So the hip hop in a box, though, is a separate program. And that's for it's totally separate. Yeah. So hip hop in a box is um, the hip hop in a box. And there's one, two, three dance. They're both kind of the same idea. They're little flashcards with dance steps on them. Um, but that's more geared toward I, I, I developed it because it was what I was teaching for like my three to seven year olds. So if you if you look at like a really advanced level um, hip hop class, you can take elements of that and 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 pare it down, simplify it to basic movement. So the dance steps on the hip hop in a box flashcards, they don't have any kind of style to them. So it's just pictures, and then you link those four pictures together to create a dance step. And you can add your style to that, that dance step. So it, it can be performed in many, many different ways, depending on, you know, your music and your style that you're using. I have people that use it in jazz class and tap class. Um, but the, the complexity of it comes in how you're patterning and pacing it. So, you know, you can do it, you know, move slower through the pictures and do it for longer repetitions for your little tinies. But if I want to use that for my teens or a little bit more advanced, I may do all four pictures in like two counts mm-hmm. and move through and one and two. Mm-hmm. Where it takes me maybe two eight counts to do that same dance step with my three-year-olds. Hmm. So, yeah, so you, it's, you know, it, it's, they can be patterned and paced to add complexity to it. Um, you can add complexity by adding different styles to it. And that's up to the teacher because all the teachers have all the different styles. <laughs> um, but it's also a fun game to play too. I know a lot of teachers use it on, on, um, on days where, you know, they're doing choreography where they'll have maybe some kids pick a couple of cards and they have to create some eight counts out of those cards. And then they teach each other their eight counts. And at the end of class, you have a whole little combo that everybody's learned. Love that. Yeah, we use it a lot when, um, when there's a last minute sub and there's no lesson plan. Like, you know, somebody just got really sick really fast and there wasn't time to, you know, send in lesson plans. It's like hip hop in a box. Where is it? <laughs> looking for it. Um, I'm really interested in um, like, what was that process like for you to actually have to deal with, I don't know, the people that create the actual physical product um, because that's a whole nother kind of business Yes, that we don't usually deal with like product, like physical. Yeah. Man- manufacturing is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- there is a process of, you know, first you got to come up with the idea. Then you have to find somebody, a, a company who's, who works with those materials, right? So we have manufacturers that work with paper products and I have manufacturers that work with silicone products. Um, so, you know, you start the process of, of talking with the manufacturers and no- negotiating and, and, you know, doing due diligence with, is this a reputable company? And then looking at, other, you know, getting multiple quotes on, on certain things. And then, um, you know, most of our products are uh, manufactured in China because I could not find anyone in the United States to manufacture what I wanted them to do. Hmm. And, and, and the ones that I did would have caused me to have to put my prices at about triple of what they were um, with importing them. But with importing, it's super, super tricky because so they, they make the stuff at the plant and then they put the stuff on the ship. And once they put the stuff on the ship, they send you a piece of paper and you literally have like 12 hours to file the papers with the government hmm. at the port of what you're going to be receiving it. Because if you don't file those papers before the ship leaves the port, they charge you a fine of about $5,000. And I know this <laughs> because it happened to me. Well, it almost happened to me. I did get out of the $5,000 fine. Not because I was a Laker girl, but because, <laughs> because it was my first time mistake. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty... Um, 
it's a challenging thing, but do you want to know something cool that we're, we're launching? Yeah. We're working on it right now. You guys, I'm so excited about it. So here's the thing. I have met so many wonderful teachers and studio owners out there that have wonderful ideas, but they don't have the platform to either manufacture or package or, you know, come up with, you know, put together their lesson plans or, or a training certification or they, they have these ideas, but they don't have the resources to do it. And because I've kind of done a little bit of everything now, um, we are going to, we're, we're creating this platform called um, Teaching Artist Exchange. And um, that is going to be launched, I'm hoping within the next, oh gosh, I, I could say six months, but it probably realistically is going to be about a year. Um, but it will be kind of, think of kind of like an Etsy shop for dance teachers. Oh, where I love this an, idea. Yeah. So if you have an idea of something that you want to get out to the market to make a little bit extra money, then we can um, either partner with you to um, have that, like make that happen. Or if you have your own product already ready to go, you can put it on our platform and then we do all of the marketing and advertising and all the stuff because the reality of it is, is that, you know, it took me, took me a year to create Rhythmworks, like from start to finish. But now my full-time job is marketing. It's getting, right. it's getting that information out to everybody and, and answering questions. And like, that's what I do most of my days. So, you know, it, it's, 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 a, it's hard, especially when you have your own studio and your, you know, other businesses and a full family. So this, the teaching artist exchange will allow teachers a little bit more um, ability to make some side money on some really cool ideas. And um, the plans are is that we're going to have um, a board of highly educated, respected um, teachers in each genre who's going to vet everything because right now there's so many, there's just, there's so much crap out there that you just, you're like, Oh, right. And so we're going to have people look at things and go, okay, is this technically sound? Is it appropriate? You know, and, and that way, you know, that when you come to the teaching artist exchange, it is a vetted, trusted, um, resource for things in class. So it might be like, you might have like 10 cool things to do with a hula hoop, right? And I might have a hula hoop in my office going, gosh, I've been using hula hoops, but I'm out of ideas. Like I would love to know more ideas about hula hoops. So then I can go to the teaching artist exchange, search hula hoops, and then your video pops up and it's like $5, learn 10 things to do with your hula hoops. And I'm like, okay, in. What a so, great idea. I'm excited. Hurry up. Get to it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're doing, we're doing all of our market research right now. Brilliant. No, I, and, I, and I love that you're doing the diligence and the, and the work to vet everything so that it's like a, a, a pre-approved marketplace of ideas. Yes. And That's I, I want to share. I, wanna, I, want, I want other teachers to be able to make a little extra money. Yeah, you know, so many teachers out there that have these fantastic ideas. I know. And if we can all benefit from them, then it's just great for our industry. And it's great. students. Yeah. Yeah. And I like I was just thinking about I have one teacher who uses yoga blocks in all of her classes across all genres and uses them in ways that like I never would think of like for stretching and and like, um, she uses them for, for turning drills for in certain ways. I'm like, you could like create a whole little. See, there you movie. go. 10 things to do with yoga blocks in your class. Yeah, to yeah. incorporate yoga blocks into your classes. Yes. <laughs> would you pay $5 for that? I would totally pay $5 for that. Oh my God, that's brilliant. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break right here and we'll be right back with Miss Trisha Gomez. Are you looking for a new way to streamline your business and simplify your life? We use Kajabi in our dance studios to help us stay organized, streamlined, and to save us money. Kajabi is an all-in-one platform with everything right at your fingertips. There's no need for multiple programs. Your email provider, web hosting services, automation, landing page, sales cart, and so much more are all in one place. 
With everything in one program, you can save hundreds or even thousands of dollars a year. Get rid of all those programs and platforms that collectively cost you way more than what you would pay for a year in Kajabi. You can start your membership site or create new products to have a passive stream of income in your business. Go to dancestudioownerconnect.com slash kajabi to learn more and to start your free trial. Again, it's dancestudioownerconnect.com slash k-a-j-a-b-i to start your free trial today. All right, we are back and we have the wonderful Trisha Gomez here with us. So Trisha, take us back to when you... Um, first got the idea to create hip hop in a box and where did that idea come from? Like what was the need that you saw in the industry that you were trying to fill? I can, I vividly remember this. <laughs> so I had, I had just gotten diagnosed with lupus. I thought I was going to die within like a couple months. Like I was terrified at that point. Um, and I was teaching most of the classes at my studio and I just, I just had to cut back. And at that time, this was like an early, this was probably 2005, maybe, 2004, 2005. Um, not many people were teaching hip-hop to three- to seven-year-olds. And And I say still not many people are doing that. (laughs) Not enough. We started at my studio at seven. You're missing out on some revenue. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, so I needed to find somebody to take my classes. I just, I couldn't find anybody. Like I had really great hip hop artists near me that could teach older classes, but they had no idea how to like simplify it for a three-year-old or how to even interact with the three-year-old. Yes. And I remember talking to my friend and I was like, gosh, I just wish I had a way to like take what I have in class and like hand it to somebody and say, here, teach this because I had a system that I was teaching. And I have like all, all the dance steps in hip hop in a box. I've been teaching that for like, t- like 20 years before I made that product. So I was like, I just wish I could take, like give it to somebody. And my teacher's like, Oh, you should make flashcards mm-hmm. of your different dance steps. Um, and then that way people can like use the flashcards to, to create little routines out of. And I, I stopped and I was like, Oh, I'm going to make flashcards. Right? <laughs> like, I don't even know how to do that. But we, we found there was um, a yoga, there was like a, a little set that um, had yoga cards on it. And it's like each card had a different yoga pose on it. And I was like, ooh, this is a great model to use. So I actually looked up the manufacturer of who made that product and got in touch with them and said, hey, you know, I have this idea. I want to just do something similar to this product. Um, can you help me? And so they agreed to help me and it cost a ton of money. I can't even believe I went to my husband and I was like, um, so I have this idea. Um, I'm going to take my hip hop in a box. I'm going to take my hip hop steps and put them on flashcards and put them in a box and call it hip hop in a box and sell it. And he's like, do you think it'll work? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I would use it, you know, like I'm making it for myself because I need something to give to the people that are going to be taking over my classes to say, here, teach this. And he's like, well, how much is it going to cost? And I was like, well, $35,000. And he's like, he's like, so you you think it'll work? And I'm like, I think so. You know, and he's like, okay, let's give it a try. (laughs) And so we manufactured them and had them shipped over to me. And I had a, for the longest time, a garage full of hip hop in a boxes. (laughs) And I'm happy to say that we are now getting close to almost 4,000 hip hop in the boxes out there in the world. Wow. So yeah, I, I think it worked, you guys. <laughs> That's beautiful. I've been saying for the longest time, and I think this comes from my own experience and then my experience talking to other studio owners, that there's such a struggle in finding hip hop teachers that are not only, you know, passionate and qualified to teach hip hop and like, really invested in that specific art form but also qualified to teach dance in general and like good with kids of all ages yeah and that there needs to be some sort of like hip-hop teacher certification program out there 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 are yeah there there are two that um that i know of and i will say this i i have not taken or vetted either one of them okay i know both of the teachers to be very um uh 
they're, they're really good at what they do. So, mm -hmm. um, and um, one of them is Maria Daniels has um, a program and she does a hip hop certification. Um, and I think it's called the hip hop experience or something like that. And then um, John Comics has um, some training as well. Um, I don't know if it's an official certification, but I know he does have like videos that he sells. But here's the thing. So, and this is what I've learned over my long, long experience, um, is that with ages three to seven, it's really about them understanding their body mm -hmm. and how their body moves and how to connect that body movement to sound and rhythm. So in the early stages, when we say hip hop for three to, to five-year-olds, three to seven-year-olds, um, it's really more about understanding their body. So there's not a whole lot of like hip hop style that goes into that age group other than using, you know, I would say music from a hip hop genre and, and, and keeping it fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. When they get those foundational skills, and I'm not talking about hip hop foundation, I'm talking about like motor skill foundation and they're understanding how to move their body, how to connect their body to rhythm, how to change, like how to hear different rhythms and, and move to those rhythms. Then you can start to overlay style and like different technique. And what we find is that when you're teaching the younger kids that early, they become cleaner dancers as they, as they progress. And as you start to add the different styles to the steps they already know, they, they're a little bit more um, body aware as to what's going on. So, you know, a lot of times they'll, you know, people look at hip hop in a box and go, well, this isn't hip hop. There's no foundational hip hop skills in here. Right. But the reality of it is, is that, you know, the, the, the style makes it hip hop. What we're doing is we're, we're, we're idea generators and we're also teaching kids how to understand body placement and how to move their body at certain times. And, and the hip hop comes from the teacher itself. Yeah. But I've, I've found so that those early age groups, especially three to five year olds, if you take your, whoever, whoever's teaching your preschool program right now and give them some material like hip hop in a box and a good age appropriate playlist to use, then they can, they can take that content and, um, and, instill it into their students. Um, we just launched NSYNC um, Action Plans with Terry Mangiarati and Amy Enos. Um, they were our first kind of um, partnership that we did in, in, for the Teaching Artist Exchange, but um, it's, it's on the RhythmWorks um, website right now. But they created Hippity Hop, which is a year long, well, 48 week long lesson plan um, that uses hip hop in a box, but it's for three to five year olds. And so they, they, it lists out exactly what to do with the class. It gives you videos of all the different um, activities that you do in class and all, each month has a different routine that you do in class. Yeah, and so you, you, know, you have your playlists, you have your material lists, um, your prop lists, things that you need in class. You have your video tutorials. I um, mean, it utilizes some of the steps in Hip Hop in a Box in addition to other um, hip hop foundational skills as well. Awesome. So that's super helpful for people who, who are a little bit nervous about doing a three to five year old hip hop class that right. I think could totally take whoever's teaching your preschool classes now who are naturally good with your kiddos right. and then provide them the content because they don't have to be hip hop um, specialists. Right. Just like when you're teaching a, ball a quote unquote ballet class to three-year-olds, you don't need to be a prima ballerina. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, but as they, as they gain skills, then we want to start applying our styles to it, which, which is where you would bring your hip hop specialists in right. to, to start layering that complexity into it. That's awesome. I love that. That makes me feel like for our youngest dancers, maybe ages three to five or six, we should be just teaching 
I mean, we, we have all these cute names like hip hop or creative movement and rhythm and ballet and tap basics. But it seems like what we should be focusing on is just what you're talking about, which is the fundamentals of body placement and movement in a way that the kids can digest. So the the fun little name of hip hop is kind of just to appease the parent maybe because they're they're looking through your offerings like oh ooh, hip hop that seems like something my kid would love when actually what they're learning is a dance fundamentals class and yeah. and, and fundamentals that's not as it's not as cute and sassy not as exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. yeah not as relatable yeah. So with Rhythm Works, each section has like it, the class is divided into different sections. So we start off with rhythm lessons. Like we actually sit down in a circle and we all have different colored pads and we listen to different rhythms and we drum out our different rhythms and we, we start to teach concepts in that place. So the concept of crossing the midline. So crossing one leg over the other, um, you know, or, or, open and close, bend and straight, all these different concepts that some kids may struggle with or need more practice in. And then as we progress through class, you know, we're doing certain, certain activities, but it's 100% appropriate for three to five-year-olds of all types and all abilities. Um, and it really, um, it really, um, it goes at a place pace that's fun for the kids. But like you said, it's, it's, the, the style isn't necessarily, um, you know, you're not doing ballet at three years old. You're doing some, like, you know, little things that are part of ballet. Same thing at hip hop. You're not doing hip hop when you're three years old, but you're doing some things that are, you know, kind of, they're been necessary for hip hop as we go. You're using the music from those genres. So that's why, you know, you could say, okay, this is a hippity hop class because you are using that genre of music. Um, and you're doing elements of that, but yeah, I mean, at, at three to five year old, you're you're still learning how to use your body, right? Yeah, it's still very basic motor skills for them. Do you find that a lot of teachers, um, not the ones that are you you mentioned that there are teachers who maybe might not feel comfortable teaching hip hop to the younger set, so they really appreciate having the hip hop in a box resource. But what about your your teachers who love that age group? Do they like the idea of kind of a um, a curriculum that they need to follow, or is there room in there for um, artistic or their own you know kind of? There is room. There is room. So I'm I'm speaking specifically with the in sync action plans. Um, there is a definitely room for you to do your own thing, or maybe you don't want to do this activity that we have in there, but you want to put your own activity in there. Or maybe you see that a kid needs more time working on a specific skill or something like that. So you adjusted to do that. So yeah, absolutely. But I think the biggest complaint that I hear from teachers who are working with younger students, especially with hip hop is they just, they don't know what to do. And most of the class ends up being freestyle because they don't know they don't know what to do. So um, I, I think teachers appreciate having that, the, um, the guidelines yeah. and the framework, but you know, it's not, it's not like you're, um, and even with rhythm works, you know, you're, you're using the framework, but you don't have to use the exact specific activities that we have listed in our book. Right. Like our book is a starting place, yeah. you know, um, but it, it really, what, what it really takes is the teacher to be a teaching artist mm -hmm. and to really look at their students and say, this is what these kids need. And then I need to adjust this lesson plan in these ways so that I can better serve my students. Yeah, sounds good. I'm excited to check it all out. Cool. All right, I'm super curious. I wanna know more about how you became the dance expert for Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, let me know what does that entail? <laughs> so oddly enough, I don't I don't even know how they found me, but a producer called me out of the blue at my studio and they're like, we're looking for someone to come in and um, teach these groups of kids this this a dance routine. And I it was it was for an episode where the it was like my kid wants to be a star or something like that. And so I was like the dance expert that came in and taught them a routine and then critiqued them and then, 
you know, I, I awarded them with some stuff. And so, um, so yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go do that. <laughs> Did that lead to the, um, the reality show, the, the dance? No, reality? that was totally different. So you'd get this, this, you guys, this is why you always got to be ready and you always got to be on your game. So we taught a pole dancing class at my studio in the mornings and this one class got out and the, it was, I had just gotten in our prototype of hip hop in a box. And so I had stuff laid out all over my desk and this one lady walks out and she's, um, she's like, Oh, what is this? And so I started showing it to her and telling her all about it. And she goes, do you know what I do? And I said, I have no idea what you do. She goes, I produce TV shows. I think this would make a really good TV show. And I was like, cool. Six months later, she calls me back. She's like, CBS just bought this, just picked up the idea. We want you to come in and audition. And so I was like, what? So they, they were auditioning me for the choreographer's position. And I went in. And so with kids TV shows, they have to be, if you've ever seen a kids TV show, you'll see E slash I. In, in one of the corners and it's educational informational. So there has to be like a, an element of education and information in these kids shows. So this specific show was kind of like, so you think you can dance, but for kids. And, um, and I went in and I auditioned and I was about done with my audition. And I, I turned to walk away and I stopped and I turned back to the judges. And it was like, literally at this point, there was like 20 people at, sitting at a big U table. And I was like, you know what? So I just need to say something. I said, I, see what you guys are trying to do. And I just want you to know that I do this every day. And I went through like what my philosophy was with working with kids and, and how dance helps with, you know, I, I, like I just started like word vomiting a bunch of stuff to them and I walked out of the room. And, um, and then they called me back and they said, you know, we, we were gonna bring you in as the choreographer, um, but we've decided to make you the head judge of the show. You guys, when I found out who was going to be the head judge, it was Debbie Allen. <gasps> I know. I'm like, I beat Debbie Allen out for a job. <laughs> oh, my God. So, um, so yeah. So, th that, you know, I like random Tuesday morning looking at my prototype. This lady comes out of one of our dance classes and is like, this might make a good TV show. That is well, so. The TV show ended up being the the concept was like these kids would come in and they had their routine, and then the choreographer would come in and do a switch up. They were like, "Okay, here's your new dance steps for this week," and they give them like four different dance steps that they'd have to add into their routine some kind of way, and then they give them like an hour to go off and like figure out how to rework their routines and add these concepts into the routines, and then they come back and they perform it. And so, so I was the technical judge and then there were like two celebrity judges that were on the panel. I was the only one who knew anything about dance, but. Don't you love that? <laughs> it was, it was so the name fun. of the show again? It was called Dance Revolution. I think it's it not on anymore. Oh no, it only lasted for a season because we were like on Saturday mornings at 12 o'clock. And you know what else happens on Saturday mornings at 12 o'clock? Football. So, <laughs> so every week we would get like preempted or moved out of our time slot. So that we never had like a consistent time slot to get an audience. So, mm. but, but, um, I, there was one review I had to laugh. There was a review that, um, told Simon Cowell that he needed to pay attention to me and take some notes on how to be, um, how to be uh, not nice, but there's something like that. Like be, be, critical critical but in a nice way right i was like ah. that's awesome <laughs> you just never have you never know where the universe is going to take you next you never you? do and that's i'm learning that right now you know i'm going through and you know what we're all going through so much change right, right now right like nobody's life looks the same that it looked eight months ago and so you know, we, we, we fight and we struggle to hold on to that old life. I want things to go back to the way they were. But the thing is, is what if what's coming up is way better, mm. right? And so I'm really learning just to kind of let go and not, um, not 
feel so not have that need to be so in control of, of the outcomes of everything and just trust that the right things are going to happen at the right time. And, you know, and, and always be nice, always be kind, always be helpful, supportive, because it comes back to you, you know, just do your part in society. Yeah, that's good. That's so beautiful. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. <laughs> So, Trisha, where can people find you and where can people find your products and services? Sure. So if you want to communicate with me, Facebook is probably the best place to do that. Um, as a, My Facebook device is attached to my hand at all times. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you can find me at Trisha Gomez um, or actually I think it's um, facebook.com forward slash dance in a box. But if you just search Trisha Gomez and look for the little purple square with me jumping up, um, that is me. Um, so you can always friend me and communicate with me there. Um, and then our website with all of our goodies is um, rhythmworksid.com. And I will spell that out for you because no one knows how to spell rhythm. <laughs> is <laughs> R-H-Y-T-H-M-W-O-R-K-S-I-D.com. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm very excited about what you have in store for us and what's ahead. And we're definitely going to be um, paying attention to your future trajectory. And we'll have to have you back once this new platform launches so we can hear more about it. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yay. <laughs> Fabulous. So much. All right. Well, we like to end with something that's made our hearts happy. So Robin, you want to you kick us off? Um, I think overall, I just feel this week like things are starting to come together. Like things that were a struggle to create are starting to come to fruition. Like yeah. uh, our, we did our nutcracker and actually I can't take any credit for it because I had, you know, my artistic director, my Susquehanna youth ballet director handled it all, but I, it's under my umbrella. So I'm super excited and happy about it. But th we, they did a site specific nutcracker in a mansion at which we've done before, but we've done it for a live audience. And this year, because it's 2020, we had to, we filmed it. So um, I got to see some pictures of the, the filming and it just looked, it was just a different, instead of being like a wah, wah, like a watered down lame version of what used to be, it was like, Oh, well, that's pretty cool. There was like a film crew there and, Oh, that's pretty cool. And, you know, there were a lot of um, really positive comments, you know, it just seemed like good energy. So I haven't seen the finished result, but I just am feeling like in, on a lot of fronts there are, you know, we lost some teachers during this uh, past summer, but some new relationships are starting to, starting to really gel. And it looks very promising that we're going to bring on a new artistic director that is really going to be a good match. So I, I'm starting to feel things kind of coming together. So hopefully it's not my imagination. <laughs> That's great. Trisha, how about you? What's made your heart happy lately? Oh my gosh. So a friend of mine posted this thing and it was just said, it said, um, say something nice about someone we know, not about me. Oh, I've seen that. Someone you know. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm stealing this. And I put it up on my page and you guys, I've like probably, I get chills just thinking about it. I've probably cried like at least once a day because of the things that people are saying about people. Mm. And then, you know, the person who, who was mentioned in that nice thing, they don't expect you to say like, I admire, you know, blah, 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 because of all these things. And all of a sudden they wake up to being tagged and they go read this thing that someone said that was so nice about them. And then they're like, going, oh my God, I'm ugly crying over here. And it was just like this, it, and it's still going on. Like people are still posting and commenting on it. And it's just the coolest thing to see people call out other people for awesome things they do or how they make them feel. And it's, you know, in, amidst all the chaos and craziness, it was just, it's just like one big, like, love post. And it's just, it, it gives brings my faith back in humanity. So, yeah, and of one of my friends, um, you, Mandy Yip from Acrobatic Arts, she took that post and did it with her staff. And she's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like the staff is loving this. And 
it's just really, it was really cool. Yeah, I think I'm going to steal that for my, I have a private Facebook group for my studio families. And I think I'm going to steal that and say, like, say something nice about another dancer or another parent at the studio. Yes. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. That is so cool. Um, Let's see, something that's made my heart happy. Um, So we had our big uh, recital video premiere last week. And um, um, a cup. I what I didn't realize at the time, um, my my new staff member, you know, said a few nice words about me and gave me some flowers and a card, and I was like, oh, thank you so much. Like before the video premiere, um, but what I didn't realize is that it was at, what actually was given to me was the product of some parents working behind the scenes to give me a gift to show their appreciation for all the hard work that I've put into keeping classes going during COVID and, you know, maintaining some sense of normalcy for their kids. And a bunch of parents got like went in together and got me a pretty substantial gift card that I didn't open right then and there. I opened it a few days later and I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) So just to like have that, that show of appreciation and love and support was like, Oh, 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 really hit me right in the feels. It was wonderful. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it was beautiful. So, yeah. It was so nice to meet you, Trisha. I've heard your name rattling around in the world for many, many, many years. And it's really nice to have finally gotten to talk to you. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. This has been this. I do lots of podcasts and this is, um, definitely been a really engaging and fun one. So I, I can't wait to go back and listen to all the other ones that you guys do. Oh, yes, yeah, please anyway, do. People keep asking me to do a podcast, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't have the time to do it. I'll be a guest on your podcast, but I do not want to produce my own podcast, you guys. So kudos to what you do, because it is not easy. It's not, but it's fun, and we like it. <laughs> I can tell. All right. Well, thank you so much again for being on. It's been lovely to have you. Thank you so much. All right. And we'll be back next week with another fabulous guest. Bye, everybody. Bye.